What do you say, everybody? It's Mick Gillespie. Welcome to Bama Insider, the Alabama Rivals site. Love to have you here on our YouTube channel. 50,000-plus subscribers to the Bama Insider YouTube channel. Thumbs up, subscribe, hanging out with us. We appreciate you guys more than you know. We're going to talk some basketball today, and it's great to bring on one of my very good friends, former broadcast partner and the voice of Alabama basketball from the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Chris Stewart, to talk about this number two seed Alabama as they get set to take on Rick Pitino and Iona, what's up, brother? Man, I'm doing great. I hope you are as well. Doing, I mean, not as good as you, obviously, but I'm doing pretty well <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's amazing, isn't it? And and you and I've had a chance to to work together some uh, some special moments for Alabama baseball. We've both been around Alabama football, obviously, when it was, uh, well, okay, a month ago. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it, this is such a great run going on right now for football. But basketball, man, these are, these are occasions that are rare. Uh, Alabama, we know, has been historically good, but not the recent history and maybe not ever what they are right now. There there have been some teams. There have been a couple that you can point to, that 76 team that lost to an undefeated um, and eventual perfect national champion in Indiana. Uh, the, the 87 team was great, but caught the wrong Rick Pitino team at the wrong time with uh, Delray Brooks and Billy the Kid Donovan. That, that ended that run. Had the misfortune of facing Loyola Marymount when they were America's team, and everybody was uh, sympathetic towards them with the, the untimely passing of Hank Gathers. So they had things going against them. But this is different. It's got a different feel, and uh, there's the potential for something historic, I think, to take place with this club if they can keep everything together and get a bounce or two more to go their way, as, did, uh, as it did on Sunday in Nashville. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's the first time in a long time since Alabama won the regular season and the conference championship in the same year, which is really uh, amazing within itself. Um, I got two questions. First off, I thought Alabama should have been a number one seed. They won both regular season and the conference. Look, I get it. The Big Ten is excellent. They've got a ton of good teams. But you know what? Alabama's the SEC conference champ. Not that a one seed and a two seed mean a whole lot more, but it would have been cool to see Alabama as a one seed. What did you think yeah. about that? And to you, uh, we've had this debate, Tony Sukalis, Bama insider, beat writer, and I, I feel like the regular season title is more valuable than the tournament title. I mean, they're both great, but you get a ring for the the regular season. So that makes me think that that's a, yeah. a bigger deal. Um, you know, you, hey, look, you guys won both. So I guess that two-part question, have at it. Yeah, well, first of all, you can give a ring for anything if you want to. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if LSU wanted to give a ring, if that ball goes in, then – they're probably given a ring for winning the tournament championship. That's fine. And it says SEC tournament champions. They they get the automatic bid by virtue of the tournament title. That's the way it's set up. So it's not like it's something late that they're claiming. I mean, it would be legit. Um, Alabama would be the regular season champions, and that's clearly uh, 
even though it doesn't come with the automatic bid to the attorney, it, it comes with infinitely more respect, I believe, because you have to do it over the course of 18 games as opposed to, to doing it over the case or over the course of three to five, depending on what your seat is. So uh, there's no doubt the tournament champ or the regular season championship carries more weight. If you can find a way to do both, it shuts everybody up mm-hmm. and, and removes any and all doubt. And I think they clearly were able to do that this year by the, the margin with which they won the regular season crown and the manner in which they won the tournament title. So really impressive uh, for the Crimson Tide in that regard. Help me on the other part of your your two-part deal. Well, a number one seed. I, I thought that Alabama well, yeah, should have gotten the number one seed you. over Michigan. Right. Yeah, and, and look, I have no problem with it because uh, a couple of reasons. One being Bama's, Bama was on that mythical one line, and I say that because we all respect Lenardi, and, and he had Alabama on the one line twice, and they lost both times. Then, uh, as things have gone on, it's not like somebody failed. I, I know Michigan lost a game, but it wasn't a bad loss, and it was deep in their tournament. Uh, it I can't remember if it was uh, Jay Billis or Joe Lenardi just before the selection said, I think Alabama's going to be a two, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve a one. Mm-hmm. So, but there's only there's only four of them. So, the other teams I think had just as legitimate a claim as Alabama did. And if we're going to go with the premise that conferences, where you finish in your conference doesn't matter. It's a head-to-head, apples-to-apples comparison. I've got no problem. You know, Alabama had its chance a couple of times, and it didn't happen. I also agree with what you said earlier, Mick. It, it doesn't matter from the standpoint of whether – if you're the, the number four national seed, you're going to face the number five seed anyway. So if you're – it doesn't really matter if you're wearing the crimson or the white uniform. Should you get to that game, and should everything, you know, what do they call it, chalk, you know, it goes as it's supposed to, uh, and you're facing Michigan, look, I'll take that right now, and, and it doesn't matter what the number next to the team name is in terms of seeding. You, you get me to um, a eight matchup against Michigan, that'd be really cool. We'll go ahead and take our chances with that. He's Chris Stewart, broadcaster for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Alabama fans know him from – Broadcasting Alabama basketball for years. His play-by-play skills are great. He's one of the best in the SEC and a good friend and joining us now as we talk about Alabama. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe on Bama Insider, the Alabama Rivals site. Thumbs up and subscribe here on YouTube. Join the crew, 50,000-plus, and uh, looks like 50,000-plus and growing, right, like Flintstone Vitamins. Um, All right, listen, Nate Oates has been – uh, amazing. I mean, like, who could have seen this guy coming? Your perspective on the transition from where Avery Johnson had the team, and I give him a lot of credit because he recruited, you know, most of this team. And then Nate Oates has brought this determination in my mind and and, and an ability to win games um, and, and make these guys maybe a little tougher than they were. But you're there. I, that's just me looking from the outside. Your opinion on where the program oh. is and, and, and where it's come in the last two years. 
I, I think Avery did a great job of raising the the um, the interest among the fan base. And there's no question. Nate Oates said it himself. Look, he inherited he inherited four great players minimum. Uh, he inherited Herb Jones, John Petty, and Alex Reese. And Jaden Shackelford had been signed with Avery Johnson as the head coach as well. So those are four that he inherited. And if you don't think they're important, tell me where this team would be right now without them. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, Antoine Petway was a part of that staff. He's obviously a major part of this staff as well. But the guys that Nate Oates, uh, the ones that Antoine's continued to bring along, Brian Hodgson, the job he's done, Charlie Henry, uh, really in a major way from an X's and O's standpoint, that's quite a staff that's done an incredible job of bringing, keeping the core talent there, but adding the right pieces to the puzzle with it, totally transforming the roster from where it was 12 months ago at this time. So uh, I think absolutely Avery and that staff deserve credit for what was left, but what they've taken with those best pieces and brought with it, phenomenal job by Nate and, and the staff. He's the real deal. And, and I've told this story more than once. I'll, I'll share it with your audience. Mick, when I, I got the text from Brian Passing roughly three years ago now saying uh, we got our coach. And I replied, great, who is it? And he replied, Nate Oates. I replied to him, great, who is it? <laughs> I know who he was. But when he said Buffalo, I went, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Um, I didn't think it happened this quick. I don't believe Nate thought it would happen this quick. But it has. It's impressive, uh, especially given the circumstances of, of COVID and the impact that it had on recruiting and the manner in which recruiting was done. Um, it just speaks volumes to the communication skills those guys have to what the University of Alabama is from a, a school and from an athletic department and the belief in what it can be, with, again, with basketball. Um, it's exciting because, look, you I don't want to get ahead of myself. You, you got this tournament to go and specifically one game at a time where this tournament is concerned. But looking big picture at the program itself, there's no way you can look at what is forecast for the roster next year and not be equally excited. It's going to be a lot younger. You're going to lose some all-time greats in terms of Bama history uh, with, with Herb and JP, but there is going to be a tremendous amount of talent still wearing an Alabama uniform next year with the returning guys and the new pieces to the puzzle as well. It'll look different. It'll still look fast. And it'll still look successful, I think, when the buzzer sounds for the majority of the games next year. This year didn't get off to a great start. It didn't get off to a horrible start, but it was mediocre. You know, losses to Stanford yeah. and Clemson. And we kind of came into this year, you know, just Alabama fans in general. I'm going to throw me into that mix thinking that, you know what, this basketball team could be sneaky. They were picked in the preseason to finish fourth. You know, what, what, what does that mean? And then after those losses, you're going, okay, Western Kentucky, throw that game in there. Something happened along the way because this team transformed itself. What was that? I'll, I'll go. The first thing is it took time because 
there were so many new pieces to the puzzle, and I mean brand new, and they couldn't work together in the traditional sense uh, because of COVID. So you had a, a lot that had to take time and come together. And I made the statement at Christmas. Somebody asked me, said, well, are you, are you worried? And I said, no, I'll tell you, I still think the ceiling for this team is incredibly high. What I didn't project properly is that the floor could be a little lower than I thought it was. And, and so you had to get to that. You had to get to rock bottom, so to speak, for this team before you could start to push back up again, and it did. But uh, something that coincided with that was the, the what turned out to be a one-game suspension of John Petty, and it allowed J.P. to focus or refocus on what he really wanted his legacy to be at Alabama, what he wants his future to be as a player, and also what, um, what it was going to mean to this particular team. And when he got basically sent home to, to Huntsville at Christmas, he didn't just go home and pout and, and, and bash the staff and talk of, you know, this is what they've done to me. And you know what it's like. You can go home to your boys and they'll feel sorry for you. And, and, and that's what he could have easily done. Instead, he went and found some people. I know this for a fact. He went and found some people that will shoot straight with him and had him go to work. That's what he wanted to do, go to work to get himself ready so that if given an opportunity to come back and when he got an opportunity to come back, he'd be ready to go and go at a level that he hadn't played before. And that's exactly what we've seen. And you know, Bama's not here. If, if John Petty Jr. doesn't make the commitment to the team, the program, and himself the way he did during that Christmas break. Alabama set to take on Iona. They're coached by Rick Pitino. That game's 3 o'clock on Saturday, first round of the NCAA tournament, a 2 versus 15. And we'll be paying close attention to it. Subscribe as you hang out with us here on Bama Insider, the Alabama Rival site. We're talking with Chris Stewart from the Crimson Tide Sports Network. He's the play-by-play man for Alabama basketball. Chris, how long have you been? I should know this, but how long have you been the broadcaster for Alabama basketball? When was your first season? It blows my mind to say this, but it has been 19. This is my 19th season. The the last year that Eli did the play by play was the SEC championship year of oh one oh two. I took over the next year, and uh, yeah, this is my nineteenth. It's incredible. Yeah, it really it's is. Been that long, but it's uh, it's flown by in in most ways. It's it's drug along and a couple of others, but uh, very very fortunate, man, and especially to get to to witness what we're witnessing right now. Yeah, no doubt, man. I know along the line, I, I think I filled in for you a couple times when you were doing football. And um, and I was trying to think because I, I guess the the most impressive thing that Alabama basketball has accomplished so far was the 2014 going to the Elite Eight. And I was pretty sure you were broadcasting right. those games. Yeah, I well, was. What's the difference between how hot that team got and the way they were playing, and what we're seeing right now with this Alabama team. You know, Mick, I think it goes back to something I was referencing earlier when I said this team, they don't have to be something they haven't been already. Um, that particular team in 04 struggled like crazy to get healthy. There was a stretch when Ernest Shelton and Kennedy Winston were 
were both banged up, both had knee problems. Ernest missed, I think, as many as five games. And Bama had a rough, rough stretch in that mix, having to play, among others, a really, really good Kentucky team. And they either dropped five in a row or four out of five or something that had people. I mean, they had a, there, there were some ticked off people around it because if, to go back, if you remember that previous year, it was my first, they started off, I think, eight and oh, and had started the preseason ranked number eight, beat Oklahoma, which was number three in the country in that season opener. Uh, other teams started to fall in front of them. And on Christmas Day, Alabama was number one in the country for the only time in school history. Mm, I remember. And then we got into conference play, and the wheels came off the bus in a hurry. And that team went from being number one in the country on Christmas Day to the last at-large selected on Selection Sunday. Almost failed to get in the tournament. So they finished 17 and 13, 17 and 14, something like that. Uh, come back the uh, the next year in up and down. I referenced the uh, the knee injuries. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the o the o three o four year was the one where Alabama led a Mississippi State team that was with Timmy Bowers, Lawrence Roberts, that was trying to win the SEC regular season title for the first time since maybe the fifties. Okay. And Alabama beats them, but they don't get the title. And Alabama played pretty well for about a week before that, put themselves back in the NCAA tournament conversation as an at-large. Uh, felt really good they were in, had, had done enough to get in, or were going to be you know, in, a, in a good spot going to Nashville or Atlanta, I guess, at that time for the tournament. But a win over Mississippi State would not only clinch it, but that was when the, the height of the Cold War between Godfrey and Stansberry. <laughs> and they were public enemy number one. And you're going to rip the trophy out of their hands and smash it in front of them. You know, we couldn't win it. But that uh, you could keep them from doing it. Bama led by 18 with five and a half minutes to go and lost that game in overtime. So that was that was deflating, but they picked it back up and turned around one against Southern Illinois on Petway's floater with five seconds to go and then dodged a bullet on the last shot from uh, Matt Painter's Southern Illinois team. The next game knocked off the number one seed, uh, Stanford. Uh, and then the following game in the Sweet 16 beat Syracuse to go to the Elite Eight for the only time in school history. And I'm convinced with the way that team was playing, Mick, if they had not had to draw UConn in that regional final, they'd have been a Final Four team that year. Not because of what they were in February, but who they were at that time. But that team from UConn had Ameka Okafor, Ben Gordon, uh, at least two other guys that played in the NBA. They were loaded. They were a, an underseeded two-seed that wound up winning the national championship, and Bama had no chance in that game. So bad draw, wrong time, or Bama would have been a final 14 that year. I don't even remember what your question was. No, I'm with you though. Memory lane, yeah, forgive gonna, me. Uh, I've got a picture of Chuck Davis on here against UConn. That, oh uh, gosh. Yeah. I, I loved yeah. him. I thought he was one of the best basketball players, at least in that tournament. I mean, he was, uh, he just yeah. made so many big plays in that, in that 
run to the Elite Eight. No question. And I think was just a sophomore, may have been a freshman, but was no was no older than a sophomore that year. He and Jamario Davidson were were major factors on that team that that along with having some great shooters got hot and they had the heart and soul, the guts of of Petway as the senior point guard and that was a very special run. It was a great time. He's Chris Stewart from Alabama Basketball Radio. Of course, the Crimson Tide Sports Network talking to us about Alabama's game against Iona coming up in the tournament. SEC champs. We don't talk a lot of basketball, but you know what? If they keep winning like this, we're going to talk a ton of basketball. And it's really been fun to get ready for the tournament, knowing that Alabama is a team that a lot of people are picking to go to the Final Four for the first time as you guys hang out with us thumbs up subscribe to our channel here on the bama insider youtube channel and for those of you that are listening to the podcast give us a five-star rating if you uh if you want to say roll tide to us in a nice way herb jones you watch him maybe you don't see if you maybe you only catch five minutes of the game you, you might not see what makes him great because i don't know that there's a lot of flash there all the time but when you watch the course of a season he is such a dynamic player in so many different ways. Let me tell you, if, if you catch the right five minutes, you can see plenty <laughs> because I thought what he did offensively, but mostly on the defensive end. I think he only got credit for maybe four block shots, but he had to have another half dozen deflections over the course of the game and that uh, the win against LSU. And just unbelievable what he does and the way his coaches will say affects winning. You know, uh, the numbers, uh, there was, I forgot which game it was. It was one of them late in Tuscaloosa. It may have been the, I don't think it was the Auburn game, which was the the home finale. Uh, But it was maybe uh, the last home game before that. He went for 21 in I looked at my notes and it said career high. And I thought, it can't be true. It can't be right. And then I kept looking like, yeah, it is. He had a ton of games where he scored 18 but or, or 19, but he'd never had more than 21 in a ball game. But when you figure in the, you know, the, the analytics of it in terms of what he means per possession, counting the defensive end, there's not a guy more valuable on the team. And that's why he was the MVP of the conference. It was why he was an All-American selection. Um, and it, it, it's why he was the not only the player of the year, but the defensive player of the year in the conference as well. Special talent. Great young man. Uh, does it right in the classroom. You know, uh, honor student in that regard as well. He's everything you want. Humble, but, but a leader. Is well, I think back on a play. Uh, and Alex Reese is a great kid who's meant so much to the program, not even necessarily numbers, but, but other things, the unselfish approach and attitude that he's taken. But there, you saw it. it. It was personal now between a lot of those guys and Trenton Watford from LSU. They've known each other forever. They badly wanted him to be a teammate in Tuscaloosa. It didn't work out. So there was a lot going back and forth between a lot of different guys and, and Watford on Sunday. And Reese hits a three in the corner, 
and he and Watford are barking back and forth at each other as they're coming in the front court, and you look up, and Herb grabs Alex, and as best he could, threw him into the low post because there was a guy back there that Alex was getting to him, but not as quickly as Herb wanted because Herb, like, I've got Watford get down there so he can't make a pass over my head and, and score two against us while you're woofing at him. So uh, whether it's a freshman, whether it's a senior, Herb's not afraid to step up and say what needs to be said. Guys listen to him. They respect him. They love him. And so all of those things combined, uh, all of those elements that Herb brings to the table, in addition to the, the numbers that are easy to look at, tells you why he is he's one of the most favorite players, I think, all time in Alabama basketball history and certainly the favorite among his teammates. Well, final question for you, Chris, and thanks for hanging out with us. We got a big game coming up. Obviously, you know that. You'll be calling the game on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Alabama against Rick Pitino and Iona. You, when you play a number 15 seed, normally you're not expecting to take on the greatest coach ever. But that's not the case for Alabama. And if he's not the greatest coach ever, he's certainly amongst the group. Your thoughts on that matchup with Rick Pitino? Obviously, Bama's had some bad losses to them over the years. And what you expect with this game? They've had some tough losses. Uh, and one that's most notable, look, I know you're you're not as old as I am, but but we're we're in similar boat anyway. Uh, I'm in the old man section of it. But I remember 1987 well. That's the last Alabama team that won the regular season and tournament titles in the same year. Bama was a two seed that season, maybe the best team WIP ever had. It had, uh, you know, had Farmer Godfrey, uh, great, great roster. You know, I think the almost positive Derek McKee was on that team as well. It, it was a tremendous squad that people thought was Bama's best chance ever to go to the Final Four. And they drew Rick Pitino coaching a small Catholic school team that, uh, that had Delray Brooks and Billy Donovan that absolutely cut the tide up in the Sweet 16 round. Okay, is not that team. This is not that Rick Pitino. And while there's not a Delray Brooks, I looked on the roster, and I kid you not, there is a Jordan Brooks, who is the son of Delray Brooks. And then I feverishly scanned the roster, and I'm going to tell you, I'll just be honest, had there been a Willie Donovan on that roster, I was going to cancel my trip. I was going to cancel the hotel room, say, screw it. I'm not driving seven hours for that. Right. Um, but uh, thankfully, Jordan is not Del Rey because he, I think he's averaged less than a point a game. But it's still a good roster. It's a good team. It's one that if you play bad, can give you a lot of problems in that game. But Bama's, Bama's got the better team. Uh, I know that sounds simplified, but it's the truth. They got better talent, as Nate Oates says. Hey, and got out Coach Rick Pacino. My players got to outplay his, and he feels pretty good about the, the the five at a time that he will roll out there against the uh, the Gales. Now, there's a high probability that a 15 
will not be a two. I mean, it's happened, but not often. And if Alabama wins, they are going to play the winner of Maryland-UConn. Could be a chance to revenge that loss to UConn that you were talking about from 04. I mean, you're going a while back, but uh, Maryland and UConn, yeah. two teams that have won national championships over the year. They have uh, some really good players. Well, they do, and you know, there's going to be a familiar face on the other side regardless. Should you advance, there'll be a familiar face regardless that you'll face on that side. It's either going to be uh, Dan Hurley, who really recommended Nate Oates to his brother Bobby to hire him. So you need to hire this guy on your staff at, at Buffalo, and he did, and we know what's happened since then. So he and Dan Hurley are really tight. Um but also Galen Smith, who's a, a grad transfer from Michigan, played four years at Alabama. Great kid, great part of the program. His skill set just didn't fit, you know, what, what was going on. And so he got a chance to go somewhere where he could play more and really would fit in and had his degree in hand, go work on a grad degree at, at Maryland. He's back in the tournament. I'm thrilled for him. Hope they win. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Galen. I just hope that, uh, he has 20, and we still beat him Should we get to that matchup in the round of 32. Well, Chris, before we get off, I, I got to tell you that it's been awesome uh, seeing you get this experience. I mean, you know, so many of us prayed ho- so hard that, that you would uh, make it a couple years ago when, you know, it didn't look good for you. And I'm telling you, man, it's like God is uh, amazing. And it's great that you get to be part of this. We get to hear you, get to, to hear your smiling face on radio. Uh, just blessed, man. Congratulations. Well, thank you and use the right word blessed because I am. And, and I would be grateful for this opportunity if, uh, if we're owing 28 right now, but I got to tell you, this is a lot more fun and, and even more so given the circumstances, I'm thrilled I can do it, uh, be a part of it, witness it, but I'm extremely grateful to you and so many others who did pray for me because it's truly the only explanation for me to be in as good a shape as I'm in right now. And I, I sincerely thank you and, and everybody else listening. It was a part of that. It's uh, appreciated more than you can imagine. Let's hope he gets fired up when Alabama plays Iona and excited at the end of a game, some kind of special call for maybe a win over UConn or Maryland and a trip to the Sweet 16. He's Chris Stewart from the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Thumbs up, subscribe here on Bama Insider. Alabama plays Saturday at 3 o'clock. I'm Mick.